got all these notes here, but they're going to slow me down. So I'm going to step away and just give you my heart. Is that good? Wow, get ready. Um, can I tell you, we're correcting a serious problem that happened all the way back in the garden when we chose to do it our own way. And what happened is every, the whole universe got turned upside down. Now, all of a sudden, we think we're the center of the universe. We think other people exist to serve us, and we think God exists to serve all of us. And can I just tell you that the reason we're here this morning is not because you or I are the center of anything. And the longer we try to remain the center, the more miserable we're going to be. And I just got another newsflash for American Christians. We don't come to church because God's supposed to do something for us. We come to church because God is ultimate reality and he's worthy of our praise. We come to church to bring something. We bring our enjoyment. We bring our thanksgiving. We bring our gratitude. We bring our offerings. We bring our praise. Have we forgotten that God is the center of everything? And that the church does not exist like a Bressler's 33 flavor ice cream. Like, which one are we going to go to today? Well, I like that one because they have such and such. Stop becoming a consumer of religious experience and start making God the center of your existence. He is the great I am. Without him, we aren't. He does not fundamentally exist to bless you, to care for you, to heal you, to bless your business, to do anything. That's not why he exists. But isn't it great that all those things are the overflow of his goodness to us? But it's not the fundamental reason why he exists. He exists because he is great and awesome and eternal, and he is, his greatness is unsearchable. He is the I am. If I could have shown that, you know, that, that picture is designed to show you that God is so big he doesn't fit the screen, but it's a bad picture because if it were a true picture, all you would see is red. And the I am would go on in eternity that way, in eternity that way, in eternity that way, in eternity that way. And, and that would try to give you the, the perspective. But God cannot be contained is what that graphic says. And in comparison to God, we are so tiny. If we would just get out of the way. If we would stop making ourselves, our issues, our problems, our disappointments, our hurts, our fears, the center of reality, and we would let God take his rightful place. I'm telling you in perspective, that one little shift would set you free because you would realize it's not about me. It's about him. It always has been. It always will be. I want to talk today about the goodness of God. I want you to turn with me to Psalm 119, verse 68. This is the most succinct powerful, pungent little scripture, but it has so much truth in it about the goodness of God. I want to basically break this down into three parts, and then here's the deal. We are going to respond to the goodness of God today because, as I'm going to lay out for you, I believe that one of the main areas where Satan attacks God and attacks our faith is by attacking the goodness of God. We've all had disappointments in life. Am I speaking to the right crowd? We've all experienced losses. We've all gone through challenges. We've all experienced painful moments. That Welcome to life in this fallen, broken, demonized world. All right? We're not home yet. Welcome to life in this fallen, broken world. But the good news is God Almighty cares about us. And God Almighty is a good God. And I want you to see what it says here in Psalm 119. And I want you to repeat this after me. You are good. 
on you, only do good. Now he says, teach me your decrees. Let's say it again. You are good and do only good. Teach me your decrees. Let's break that down into three sections. Let's talk about this statement. You are good. When the Bible declares that God is good, the Bible is declaring that God is the source of all goodness. He's the origination of goodness. He's the highest good that there is. In other words, if you're trying to climb the ladder of good, you'll finally reach the top of the ladder, and what you run into is God Almighty. He is what is what the Latin word summum bonum. It's the highest good, the supreme good of which all other goods are derived. That is who God is by nature. That's why Jesus said this in Matthew 19 when he was talking uh, to someone who gave him a compliment. Jesus said, no one is good but one that is God. What was Jesus trying to establish? He says, all of our goodness, by comparison, is not good at all. You know, we live in a world, we see, we see rich people that write a check and try to bless this or that, and they do good deeds. But, you know, the Bible says that anything that we do that's not done for the glory of God is actually, in God's eyes, wicked. I'm, just raise, I'm raising the bar here a little bit. Anything not done for the glory of God, no matter how good it looks by comparison, is not good. So when God sees an ungodly person write a check to cure cancer and send it to the hospital, humans go, oh, my gosh, that is so good. But God looks at the motive behind the check. And I'll tell you what the motive behind the check of an ungodly person is. The motive is selfish, no matter what it looks like in disguise. And that's why God says even the plowing of the wicked is an abomination to him. Anything that's done that's not done for the glory of God from God's perspective, is wicked. That's shocking to human beings. I'm talking about ultimate things. Any goodness on the human level that does not originate from the source is not good at all. It's deception. Jesus said, don't call anybody good. There's only one good, God. I mean, he just Jesus raised a mega bar from the earthly realm to the heavenly realm because this is important. Life is about understanding perspective. How many of you know perspective will change everything? A slight little twist. I'm trying to let you know that by perspective, when God is eternal, our life is a breath, the Bible says. You ready for this? This is us. <sighs> Impressive, wasn't it? But yet we get so, we, everything gets so big in our own eyes. Trying to manage everything. Try, listen, your life is a vapor. <sighs> so you know what David did? He said, I got to make my life count because I'm a vapor. But he also understood my life means nothing separated from my creator. And I want to tell you this as loudly as I can today. Your life is meaningless apart from your connection to your creator. And if you are disconnected, you are about as insignificant as one could be. Pastor, you're being offensive this morning. No, I'm being truthful this morning. We need a massive wake-up call. It's not that big. What we're dealing with is not that big compared to the greatness of God. So we need perspective. I want to give you perspective this morning. When we talk about the goodness of God, this is good news. It means that he is kind-hearted. It means he's benevolent. It means he's good-natured. Check this out. It means that when God gets out of bed in the morning, and God's not in bed and he doesn't sleep or slumber, but you get the point here. When God wakes up in the morning, if he did, the inclination of his heart is to bless. you got to get this. 
How many times have we been in prayer? Oh, Lord, please. Oh, Lord, would you help me? Oh, Lord. almost like we're twisting his arm. I'm telling you, it is his nature to be kind and good and to love you and to care for you. I was talking with my son-in-law this morning in my office before church, and we were talking about how children change our perspective. Do they not? And Aaron's like, oh, man, you know, Lauren and I can go through anything, but I just don't want to see my kids have to go through pain or hardship. Oh, how many parents know what I'm talking about? Where does that inclination come from? It comes from God. He's saying, I'm your daddy. If you feel that way and you're so puny, what was my heart feel like for you? Just gets elevated. It is the nature of God to be good. We tell kids, hey, be good. My mom used to tell me that all the time. Be good. Why did she have to tell me that? Because I wasn't being good. I had to be encouraged to be good. And we all know what good is. It means like obey, do the right thing. God never has anybody telling them, be good. Hey, be good. Because he is good. He does. It's who he is by nature. So can I just tell you something? When anybody attacks or questions the goodness of God, I'll tell you where that comes from. The pit of hell. God never says, I'm good, let me prove it to you. God just says, I'm good. And listen to me. That revelation is for us. It's not for him. It's for us to build our lives on that truth. Because that truth will change the way we approach him. That truth will inspire our faith. God is good. And I told you this before. This is, this is incredible. When you're studying the nature and attributes of God, you never study an attribute in isolation to all the other attributes. All right, Things get blown out of proportion. All of God's attributes are like a beautiful diamond that comes together, and you can look at all the facets. So check this out. When we talk about the goodness of God, God's goodness is infinite goodness because he's an infinite God which means his goodness won't fit the screen either. Which means from eternity past to eternity future, God has never stopped being infinitely good. That's pretty awesome, isn't it? How about this? God is not only infinitely good, God is perfectly good. How many times have you heard people, maybe you've even been tempted to do this, you know what, I I just had to forgive God. Okay, let me just say, on a human level, I get it. We're disappointed, right? We're feeling, we feel like God let us down. Well, can I just correct your theology here? God is perfectly good, and it is impossible for him to act in a way that is not perfectly good. All the time, forever. Period. When we say things like that, I get where it's coming from, and there's grace for our time when we're going through difficult season. But I'm telling you this out of holy jealousy for God Almighty. God never needs to repent of anything. He's never done anybody wrong. He's done nothing but good all the days of his life. And the third thing is God's goodness is absolutely unchanging. He's not partly good. He's not improving in his goodness. He is thoroughly, utterly, completely, perfectly, infinitely good, which is good news because you would not want to go to heaven with a God who was in process. Some of us come home, and we don't understand, you know, the, the, the father that we're going to meet. Is it daddy's good day from work? Is it daddy's bad day from work? Did mommy have a good day today? Did mommy have a bad day today? 
If, 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 if the dad comes home and the door slammed and he kicks the dog, and the kids know, bad day, and they run in the other room. Listen to me. Wouldn't it be terrible if you died and went to heaven and God acted like us? See this good day? Let's ask the angels. Maybe they know. Can, can I give you some good news? God, every single day, and I'm using terms that only humans can understand because there's not going to be a day. It's going to be eternity. But God has never stopped being utterly, perfectly full, overflowing, fountain full, good all the time. That's who he is. I'm excited about that God. I'm excited about spending time with that God because he's amazing. And it's his impulse to bless. Look what the Bible says. I skipped over it. Megan, you're doing a great job following my confusion. I'm going back to Psalm 100, verse 5. Check this out. Psalm 100, verse 5. Read it with me. For the Lord is always good. He is always loving and kind. And his faithfulness goes on and on to each succeeding generation. How many of you know you need to meditate, as I do, on these kind of truths? You wake up in the morning and you say this. The Lord is always good. That means, always means, right now, today. He's always loving and kind to me. I'm excited about what this day has in store because that's who God is. And check this out. I've heard people, even Christians, say dumb things like this. I I don't know if I want to bring children into the world today. The world's getting so dark. Read your Bible for God's sake. His faithfulness goes on to each succeeding generation. So what do you do as a man or woman of God? You say, hallelujah, we're dedicating babies at the end of this month. Every one of these kids strikes fear in the heart of the devil because they're moving in the goodness of God and the favor of God. We should be so pro-life in this place. It's unbelievable. It's like, world, you haven't even begun to see. My kids are going to walk in the faithfulness of God that's going to go on and on and on. That's my inheritance because God is good all the time, all the time. Now, the problem with that, oh, we hear that all the time in churches like ours. The problem with that cute little ditty is we only pull it out when the sun's shining and the wind's blowing coolly in our face and we're sipping on a lemonade. God is good, brother. Hallelujah. But I know what happens when you get to the bottom of your lemonade. God ain't good. And where'd he go? I had a bad week. On, on, on. What are you doing? Uh, You were just singing. God is good all the time, all the time. God's good. And what happened? Can I just tell you, when the lemonade glass is empty, God is good. When the wind is blowing in your face and it's hard, God is still good. When you didn't get the promotion at work, God is still good. When the diagnosis did not come out the way you were initially hoping, God is still good. And when God doesn't do things the way we thought maybe he should have done it, God is still good, period. Now, this is good news because here's the deal. Jesus said out of the abundance of your heart, what happens? Your mouth speaks. So when people say something like this, I didn't mean to say that. Liar, liar, pants on fire. Yes, you did. Because you know where that came from? You, what, what you mean to say is I didn't mean to utter it. I didn't want you to hear it. I wish I could pull it back in. But, oh, I meant to say it because it was in my heart. 
That's where it was first conceived. Or how about this one? Jesus said, a tree can only produce fruit after its kind. So here's the good news. When this verse in Psalm 119 says, God, God, you are good, it logically follows that a being who is perfectly, utterly, eternally, infinitely good can only do good. Does that make sense? It is impossible, logically, for God to act in opposition to his being. Is this making sense? In other words, hear me, it is impossible for God not to act in a good way because it flows out of the essence of who he is. Now, I'm giving you some good theology here, but connect some dots with me, folks, will you? Do you really believe when you wake up that the goodness of God is over your life, that God loves you, that God is kind to you, that God gets what's going on, that God feels what's going on, that God is working situations out, even when you can't figure it out, even when you can't see it. The goodness of God is a massive cornerstone to stand on to help you successfully go through life. If you can find that place and stand in that place, you will set yourself up for amazing success with God and with life. And you'll live a life that matters. God does good, which means, check this out, the impulse in the heart of God, the driving force behind everything that God does is a desire to bless. At the end of this service today, we're going to have a chance to exchange our disappointments for the belief in the truth that God is who he says he is and that God's for you right now no matter what's going on. And that the sooner you learn to sing about the goodness, to praise God for his goodness, no matter what the circumstances are, that's when you begin to experience his goodness in greater dimensions. Because we have a part to play in this. God is good. God does good. How does he show his goodness? I'm going to give you five quick ways. I could preach a whole message or a whole series on each of these five ways. I'm going to give you about 15-second bursts, all right? So if you're taking notes right quicker, take a picture of the screen. But follow up on this. How does God show his goodness? Number one, he shows his goodness through creation. Why are we here? Was God bored? Is God looking for something to do? Did God want to just torment all of us so he created us so he could torment us? No, you know why you're here? Because God is good. What did he do when he created all of this? By the spoken word. What was, his, what was his line after everything came into existence? He creates this. It is. He created man. Created marriage. It's all good. Whatever God touches is good. That's good news right there. God creates as a demonstration of his goodness. The Bible says the earth is full of the goodness of the Lord. So whenever we look at the creation, we should see the goodness of God. How many of you are grateful that God showed his goodness to you by redeeming you? Boy, the whole weekend was focused on the cross, and I just got to tell everybody, you know, watching that cross section and hearing Jason sharing his heart on that, watching that video of Jesus uh, during the passion of the Christ, that scene where he's beaten, uh, messed with me once again. How in the world can we, and we've all gone through losses. We've all, some, some in this room have experienced the loss of a baby, the loss of a child. Uh, those are painful, painful things. But here's what we can never do. When you see the goodness of God in his son, Jesus Christ, being beaten beyond recognition and going to a cross to redeem our brokenness and not only to take this vapor of a life, but to give us an eternal life with hope, 
All of a sudden, in my heart, I started welling up again with the goodness of God's toward me because when we say, well, God, you don't understand, he's saying, are you kidding me? I sent my son to go through what he went through. I understand your pain. I understand your brokenness. And listen to me, I am still a good God, and I'm still working out amazing purposes even in the midst of this pain. The Bible says this, Ephesians 1, 7, God is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and he forgave our sins. What a blessing. We've been redeemed by the goodness of God. Let me give you a third area that you probably haven't even thought of. It's through his providence. Have you thought that each day, there's probably a thousand different times during the day, if you could see that God's unseen hand has been protecting you and blessing you and caring for you. And, and, And here's the kicker. You're not even aware of it. thousands of times a day when the goodness of God is demonstrated in our lives and we're not even privy to the awareness of his kindness. And can I just tell you this? God is kind to unsaved people who hate him. In fact, the fourth thing where we demonstrate the goodness of God is through common grace. You know, the sun rose today. Did you all notice that? It didn't just rise for us Christians. You know, we got some snow. We got some rain. It didn't just happen on Christian homes. It happens on everybody's home. You know, the sun is a demonstration of the kindness of God. And he gives his grace, common grace, to everybody, whether you're a friend or foe. I mean, that's a good God. He doesn't distribute his grace based on our merit. We don't earn his grace. He just distributes his grace because he's good. And that's what a good being does. And then lastly, let me mention this. God demonstrates his providence Last point, through to his people, his bride, his church, his redeemed. And I want you to hear this verse, several verses here as encouragement. Psalm 84, 11. For the Lord God is a sun and a shield. The Lord bestows grace and favor and honor. No good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly. How many of you have committed that verse to memory? It's, if you haven't, you should. The Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord gives grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from those people who walk uprightly. I mean, our walk with God is important. Let me show you some other promises for those who walk with God. Look at Nahum chapter 1, verse 7. The Lord is good, a strong refuge when trouble comes. He's close to those who trust him. Can I just share with you something? The time to get close to God is not in the midst of your crisis moment. And I find it ironic that sinners will turn to God and curse God when something terrible happens in their lives when they've ignored God their entire lives. Or they find it fashionable to say, oh, well, you know, I'm just not so sure if there's a God. Well, you curse Him every time something goes wrong. Are you schizophrenic? What's your problem? Either you believe in them or you don't, but you don't believe in them when it's convenient to your own life, but when something goes wrong, you're ticked off at him. Can I just tell you something? That's wicked. That is so wicked. You're expecting to receive goodness from God's hand when you don't acknowledge God's goodness. You don't love him. You don't honor him. You don't worship him. You don't, wor- you don't come and give yourself to him in full surrender, but you expect his goodness in your life. What is that? What if your kids acted that way? 
What if your kids treated you that way? Some of you know what I'm talking about. The only time they come around is when they're doing this. Or when they want something. That's disgusting. It's disgusting. We do it all the time with God. I mean, you know, the Lord is near and his goodness is demonstrated in the lives of those who trust him, who seek him. Now, listen, we don't earn the goodness of God. But when you get close to God, you're a recipient of the overflow. How many you know if you want to get wet? I say this all the time. If you want to get wet, you need to get where the fountain's flowing. You need to get under the waterfall. You're not going to get wet in a desert. If you want to experience the goodness of God in your life, get close to the fountain, and you'll probably get wet. That's the way it works. Why is it so important that we establish the goodness of God? Because, listen, faith is simply a belief that God is good. If God's not good, let me just tell you this. You're not going to pray to God. You're not going to go to God. You'll never submit your life to God. But if God is good, you'll keep going back again and again and again and again. Anybody know when we sang about the goodness of God this morning, did anybody feel the presence of God in this place besides myself? There was a tangible sense of electricity, Holy Ghost electricity in the house. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I leaned over here to my man singing, uh, Chris, and I said, Chris, that last song, I thought I got raptured from my shoes. I just thought I, just thought I took off. Because what were we doing? We weren't singing about ourselves. We were proclaiming the goodness of God. I got wet under the waterfall of God's presence. How about you? And you're like, oh, man, that church just worships too long. You are out of touch with ultimate reality, dude. Are you kidding me? I've heard people say that before. Hey, yeah, well, we like the church, but you guys just worship too long. Oh, gee. Please go to another church. Please, please, please. Are you kidding me? What are you going to do in heaven? Um, Do we have a short service around here where we can get out and still catch breakfast? Are you kidding me? Martin Luther said this, true faith, true faith is a living confidence in the goodness of God. Why am I preaching about the goodness of God? Because I want your faith to get huge. Because I want you to keep believing even when you're pressing through. What keeps you going when the times get hard? Belief in the goodness of God. Let me give you a practical example. You know, sometimes we read the Bible, like the Bible's full of all these great superheroes and we can't relate to them or whatever. How many of you know David went through some stuff? That's why I love the Psalms. David went through some serious stuff. David lost a baby. I don't know of anything more painful than losing a baby. David lost a baby. David lost a son. David lost loved ones in battle. David was a man of war. David had people chasing him that shouldn't have been chasing him, namely King Saul. David was slandered. David was was attacked physically. David was on the run. David spending his life in caves, much of the Psalms written in caves. How many know David understands what it's like to be mistreated? But I want you to see a secret to David's life. Look at what the Bible says. Psalm 27, verse 13. I would have lost heart, David speaking. I would have lost heart become discouraged, overwhelmed, depressed, quit, fill in the blank. You know what it means to lose heart. I would have lost heart unless, man, I circle that in my Bible. That's a key word. Unless I had believed, I would see the goodness of God in the land of the living. 
What is he saying? He's saying, I would have quit, thrown in the towel, given up. Life's too hard. But here's why I can't. I know, I know I'm going to see with my own eyes the goodness of God in my life in this land of the living. God is not done with me yet. God's not finished. God's goodness hasn't stopped. God's still pursuing me. In fact, you remember Psalm 23. I love Psalm 23. David says this, Surely goodness and mercy are pursuing me, chasing me down all the days of my life, and I'm going to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Some of you need to wake up while you're brushing your teeth. How many of you brush your teeth in the morning? All right, three of you. All right, great. That's need to have a hygiene sermon. All right. <laughs> While you're brushing the, your teeth and you're looking in the mirror, get your eyes off of yourself and your teeth and look over your left shoulder. Look over your right shoulder. You should be looking for two people, goodness and mercy. I want you to see them. They're real. They're chasing you down. They're pursuing you. Pastor, where are you getting at? It's in the book. David believed every day. Let me just ask this question. If you believed that the goodness of God was for you, towards you, and you believed that his buddies, goodness and mercy, were chasing you down to catch you, to overpower you, how would that change your outlook on starting like Monday morning? Like, oh, God, another day. I don't know if I can keep up with the grind. Oh, my gosh, I'm so depressed. What a week. It's only Monday, and it's already a miserable week. Boy, you're just prophesying. I can't imagine what Friday is going to look like for you. I, I pity the fool, all right? I pity the fool. I mean, you know, what we think about God is important. How we view life is important. This is not a game. This, I mean, there's high stakes in this. Satan's trying to take people out every week. Trust me, we get phone calls. Satan's trying to take people out every week. Here's my encouragement to you. Don't help him. Don't help him. You have to fight on the inside. You have to get a vision for God that's accurate. You have to confess it, not because God doesn't know who he is, but because we're reminding ourselves who God is. I need to be reminded. Oh, that song was so good this morning. That's the whole purpose of this series. I need to be reminded. Let me end with this, and then we're going to respond, all right? If you take one quality of God, and you, all I did was preach on the goodness of God for the rest of my life, I guarantee you we would all be messed up. Well, Pastor, how, how could that be the case? Because God isn't just good. He's good and a whole lot more. And the beautiful thing about the attributes of God is they all work in perfect tension and harmony. And so here's the problem. When you're the center of your life, God becomes Santa Claus good. And let me just tell you, God ain't Santa Claus. God's goodness, when, it, when you're the center turns into Santa Claus goodness. It turns into cheap grace. It turns into a church that's full of, of sin and compromise because we don't honor God. It comes into a church, hey, praise God, hallelujah, God is good, God is good. We got the t-shirt, God is good. Um, how's your life, though? You know, the Bible says God is His goodness and His severity. That's the word was used, severity. In fact, let's read that passage. Go ahead and put that verse up, Megan, from Romans. 
Don't you see how wonderfully kind and tolerant and patient God is with you? Can we just pause there? Is everybody in agreement that if God gave us what we deserved, none of us would be here right now? How many of you know God's been wonder, not just normal kind, wonderfully kind? Wonderfully, we talk about tolerance today. Can I just tell you, God's tolerance is not like our tolerance. God will never be tolerant of sin, ever, all right? But God is tolerant with sinners because he wants to redeem them. And God's patient. Aren't you glad he's been patient with you? He's watched us grow up. He's been patient. Look what it says. Does this mean nothing to you? I just got to be real with this again. I'm, I'm preaching my guts out on the goodness of God. If this doesn't touch your heart, you got big problems. You need help. But what it does is it just confirms our own hardness, our own stubbornness, our own distance from God. God himself says, doesn't this mean anything to you? How many of you, when you see Angelo up there pouring his guts out, crying, talking about maybe where he's come from but where he is now, did anybody's heart well up with a little emotion? Wave at me if that happened in you. Okay, good, you guys are alive. Hallelujah. Can I tell you, a dead, numb heart is scary. It's like that's the worst kind of heart disease. It's the worst kind of heart disease. The goodness of God, the Bible says, is meant to lead us to repentance. Look at what it says up there. Can't you see that his kindness is intended to turn you from sin? So check this out. If the goodness of God, you turn into Santa Claus, you know why you turn into Santa Claus? Because you're not serious about sin. And you love other things more than you love God and his kindness. It's the goodness of God that should cause people to be filling churches all across America. But can I just tell you this? God is coming back, and because he is so good, he will not allow eternity to be screwed up by people that don't care about his kindness. People say, well, I don't understand the wrath of God. I do. The wrath of God is an expression of his great love and goodness. Because God is not going to allow one rebellious, self-centered, uh, God-hating, uh, I can think of all the other nasty adjectives. We won't have to go there. We all understand. There will not be one of those people in heaven because they'd screw it up. And thank God he loves us enough, none of those folks are invited to the party. You know why? Because the kindness of God means nothing to you. A blood-covered Savior nailed to a cross means nothing to you. Body ripped apart, shredded from top to bottom means nothing to you. Or you would change and you would repent. Your sin means nothing to you in the face of a holy God. Or you know what? You'd get rid of it. You'd grow up. You'd stop being rebellious. You'd stop making it all about you. Your marriage is a disaster because you're being selfish, because you won't repent. It means nothing to you, the kindness of God. Or you know what? You change. It's what you do. You change. You do something. I'm trying to provoke you off the complacency place where you just treat the kindness of God and the goodness of God and the mercy of God like it's something that you and I deserve. We don't deserve. We don't deserve a bit of it. But we get a lot of it. And so I just want you to know the time's coming when... The goodness of God 
will shift gears into the justice of God, which is His goodness. It's just another side of it. Aren't you glad God is going to make all things right? Nobody's getting, nobody's getting off the hook. No one's paying off the crooked judge. Nobody's doing anything in secret that's not going to be brought out into the light. God is a just God. Praise the Lord. The cross is a just cross. God gave his best to pay for my sin. And the cross means something. And the blood means something. And God's gathered people mean something. And the goodness of God means something. It means we need to respond to it. And here's what I felt like the Lord wanted to do today. There are some of you that have been knocked off course because you've gone through a serious disappointment in your life. We've lost people in our family. We've lost kids in our family. We've lost loved ones in our family. We've gone through hardship. We've gone through struggle just like you have. And can I just tell you something? When the devil comes and he says this, where's God if... If, or this one, if God is supposed to be so good, some of you are sitting here today, listen to me, some of you are sitting here today, and in your mind, this is what's going on. Well, if God is so good, then why, and you fill in the blank. God's goodness is never meant to be questioned or assaulted. It's meant to be embraced as a foundational truth. The fact that we don't get it, that we don't understand it, that, we, that we're still in a painful place does not take away one iota from the reality of who God is. And listen to me. Faith is choosing to believe that what God says about himself is more true than what my feelings, my neighbor, uh, the person down the street, what they think about God. And I really believe there needs to be a great exchange that takes place right now as we worship our way out of here. There's going to be two groups of people. One, one group of you, need, and, and, and this is so important, you need to deal with the seed of doubt and despair and discouragement in your heart that God has really been good and kind to you. Because you know what? God's not done yet, and you don't only know a fraction of what's going on. And you need to be able to take that out of your heart and sing from the bottom of your heart and declare the goodness of God. And we're going to sing that song on his goodness. And we're going to sing it with all of our heart. Some of you just need to stand up as an act of worship today. And you just need to declare that over your life because this is the first day of the week. And surely goodness and mercy are going to track you down all week. And you just need to get happy about it and sing about it and thank God that that's the truth. But I want you to stand to your feet with me. And I want us as a church family to declare the goodness of God and make it personal for you. Make it personal for you. Surrender to his goodness. Tell him you trust his goodness. Tell him you don't have to have it all figured out because he's really smart, and he does. Tell him you believe in him. Tell him you trust him. Be relentless and ruthless with whatever pockets of doubt, uncertainty, questioning of God in your heart. And come rock solid. If your feet are looking for a place to land, they need to land on the cornerstone of the goodness and kindness of God towards you because that is the truth. Let's sing this song together. Let's worship him together. Sing it with all your heart. If you need to get out of your seat as an act of faith, get down here and as an act of faith, just say, God, I'm declaring that this is true. I'm declaring it over my life. Let's celebrate his goodness.